Psalm 96. Oh, sing unto the Lord a new song. Now, that's the title of our message. I do want to I do want to say that there's really one word we're going to focus on from that phrase, and I hope you you know if you can figure it out, uh, we'll we'll let you know if you want a gold star or not. Psalm 96. Oh, sing unto the Lord a new song. Sing unto the Lord all the earth. Sing unto the Lord. Bless his name. Show forth his salvation from day to day. Declare his glory among the heathen, his wonders among all people. For the Lord is great and greatly to be praised. He is to be feared above all gods. For all the gods of the nations are idols, but the Lord made the heavens. Honor and majesty are before him. Strength and beauty are in his sanctuary. Give unto the Lord, O you kindreds of the people. Give unto the Lord glory and strength. Give unto the Lord the glory due unto his name. Bring an offering and come into his courts. O worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. Fear before him all the earth. Say among the heathen that the Lord reigneth. The world also shall be established that it shall not be moved. He shall judge the people righteously. Let the heavens rejoice and let the earth be glad. Let the sea roar and the fullness thereof. Let the field be joyful in all that is therein. Then shall all the trees of the wood rejoice before the Lord, for he cometh, for he cometh to judge the earth. He shall judge the world with righteousness and the people with his truth. As we prepare to bid farewell to 2017 and welcome in a new year, 2018, I was reminded about how fascinated I was when receiving Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior some 45 years ago and was told then that I was now a new creature in Christ. If you thought that the, the, the word, the special word is new, you get a gold star. But the person that led me to Christ, he then quoted two, uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. He said, therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. All things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. All things are become new. I think I've shared many times that uh, before I came to know the Lord, I, I really wanted to understand the Bible. I really wanted to understand what it said, but... It was, it was very hard, and, you know, being in the mindset of the flesh, it was just hard to really grasp the truth until God opened my eyes to see. But once you come to know the Lord Jesus Christ, all of a sudden things pop, man. I mean, the truths are popping in your minds and in your heart because now you're able to understand more and more. And as you grow, you understand even more. So that word new was what really captivated my attention for a long, long time. Uh, you know, we're always hearing advertisements and commercials about things that are new and improved. 
You've seen all of those commercials. I actually, I actually went to YouTube yesterday, and I was looking at all these old, old commercials. I want to look up all the old ones that had something to do with being new and improved. I kept thinking, you know, something is a good product, and they already got it selling out there. The next thing you know is, hey, it's new and improved. It's gotten better. So does that mean, you know, now we, you know, we have to buy something that's a little bit more expensive and actually less of it because it's new and improved, right? So, you know, I started watching these things, and practically everything underwent this new and improved phase. I mean, new and improved decaf coffee, you know. Uh, new and improved Cheerios, I saw a commercial about that. New and improved dish soap, new and improved motor oil. You know, you can go on and on and on and on, and it would, uh, it would be that way. But, and by the way, I just saw a commercial recently. I can't believe it's not butter. New and improved. And I'm thinking, that's crazy because it's, it's not even real butter. But it has to be new and improved. <laughs> uh, you know, if you're a doctor out there, uh, you, know, you probably tell people, don't eat too much butter. Eat the butter, man, because it's better than that new and improved stuff. You know, it's not even real. Uh, butter's real. Okay. Let's put that in the back burner. But biblically speaking, and because of man's fall into sin, we're, we're not really new as people. The Bible tells us we're old, the old man. We're considered the old man from the standpoint of being in the mindset of the flesh. Doesn't matter that you were for a moment a, a newborn. We come to the realization that the scripture tells us that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Makes us old real quick. Paul in Romans chapter 6 verses 4 through 6 says, Therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. Notice, for if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, we, should, we shall be also in the likeness of his resurrection, knowing this. So get this, when anytime Paul says knowing this, that's really important. He says, knowing this, that our old man is crucified with it that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. And then Paul, in, the Ephesians, in his letter to the Ephesian church, says in Ephesians 4, verse 22, that you put off concerning the former conversation or the former conduct, the old man. Put off, take off like a garment the old man, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lust. Keep your finger there or, or bookmark because we're going to come back a little later on. And the same goes for Colossians 3, verse 9, where Paul says, Lie not one to another, seeing that you have put off, you've already taken off the old man with his deeds. So we have to, we have to realize that when we were born into this world, we were born in sin, and, and therefore we, we got to be old real quick. You might say we were born old, and we were born with our old man clothes on, all because of sin. And once you consider some other things that Paul said in Romans 5, verse 12, he said, Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, we know that to be Adam, of course. Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. That's the reality of, what's, of why this world is in such a mess that it's in. 
Later on in verses 17 through 21, Paul writes, For if by one man's offense death reigned by one, being Adam, much more they which receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one, Jesus Christ. Therefore, as by the offense of one, judgment came upon all men to condemnation, Adam, even so by the righteousness of one, Jesus, the free gift came upon all men unto justification of life. For as by one man's disobedience, Adam, many were made sinners, so by the obedience of one, Jesus Christ, shall many be made righteous. Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound, but where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. That as sin has reigned unto death, even so might grace reign through righteousness unto eternal life by Jesus Christ our Lord. So there are two patterns then. There are two patterns that we need to consider. One that we don't want to follow and one that we do. The first, of course, is the pattern of sin unto death that belongs to the old man. The second pattern is that which belongs to Jesus Christ who went to the cross to die for our sins that we who believe would become a new creation. That's about it, folks. There's nothing in between all of that. And so newness of life and being a new creature in Christ, you see, became anchors in my young life as a believer in Jesus and continue to be to this day. How is it then that we hear or, or that we from year to year deal with going from the old to the new, whether it be days, months, or years, from a believer's perspective? Perhaps it would be better for us to take the one-day-at-a-time approach. The one-day-at-a-time approach to all the things pertaining to life rather than trying to cram a year full of resolutions into the first three months of a new year which many of us do. That's about average, you know. We try to do our resolutions for the new year and they all kind of fit into the first three months of our, of our new year and then after that we just, uh, you know, put it aside. And we fall back into what I call the status quo of business as usual. For example, getting behind in our prayer life or getting behind in our devotions or getting behind in our quiet times with the Lord and especially getting behind in our fellowship with the saints. It's as if we control all of these things in the sense that we say, look, you know, I'll show up when I want to show up. I'll pray when I want to pray. I'll do what I want to do when, it, when I want to do it. You expect that that is newness of life? I'm sorry, but I don't believe it is. I know that's a strong statement to make. But it happens, and it happens too much and too often in the church. So these particular, particularly serious issues brought me to thinking about the first words of Psalm 96 and other occurrences of this particular phrase that this psalm begins with. Oh, oh, sing unto the Lord a new song. Sing unto the Lord all the earth. And I have to tell you, that, that one oh at the beginning we never think about that. We just say, oh, sing unto the Lord. It's, you know, maybe it's poetic. Maybe it's musical. 
What it is, is the passion of a heart who loves Jesus and who loves God. Oh, sing unto the Lord. Not just sing unto the Lord, but oh, sing unto the Lord. A new song. And as I focus on this verse, I was drawn to that word new. You know, as a, as a worship leader for many years, it was always incumbent upon me to teach new songs to the congregations I was serving. And when you think about it, worship leaders hardly ever scratch the surface of teaching new songs, even if they were to teach a new song every week. There are, for example, there are 150 psalms in your Bible, 150 psalms, which means they're all songs. And Psalm 119 itself, by itself, contains 22 stanzas, which could each be a song of its own. That's a lot of songs in the Bible that we haven't sung yet. Maybe we've read them, but we haven't sung them. No, we've only sung bits and pieces of only so many. Then I would think about those churches that have hymn books, and I don't even want to mention try, trying to sing every hymn in, in a hymn book, even though some congregations may try. It's quite possible, but most of the time they got their favorites, and that's what they sing. I'm not saying that's a bad thing. I'm just saying that's what happens. And by the way, hymns should be sung. But the word new is what should really motivate our hearts here today. The word new occurs 150 times in 131 sections or verses in the King James Version of the Bible. The primary word for new in the Old Testament Hebrew is just one word. Chadash, chadash, and it means new or a new thing. And many times when we see the word chadash in, in, the, in the Psalms, it's referring to something that is new, something that is fresh, and something that involves the new mercies that God gives us, and that you can read in, in, uh, about in Lamentations chapter 3. That with the Lord, there are new mercies every morning. And his compassions, they never fail. Great is his faithfulness in those things. So that's a very, very important aspect of the word new in, in the Hebrew. But the New Testament Greek uses at least three primary words for new. One is neos, N-E-O-S, or neo, or you know, you might pronounce it that way, but neos. Uh, and then the second word, which is the most prominent word, it's kainos, K-A-I-N-O-S. And then there's a third word that's only used a couple of times, agnaphos, and it, uh, but uh, we, we, that one's only used in, in, in one particular sense uh, when it talks about a new garment or a new wineskin. That's agnaphos. Talking about something that's never been used, you know, for... for uh, but neos means new, fresh, young, and youthful. But the word kainos, which is the most prominent Greek word for new, once again ties into the same aspect as chadash in the Hebrew, which is new and fresh, freshness. And, and let me just interject here the, the secret that's not a secret. The newness that is mentioned in the Bible 
the newness of life, the new song that we sing, uh, the, the new man that we are, the new person that we are in Christ, that never grows old. Understand that about the word new in the scriptures. We're never to grow old spiritually. That's why we could sing a song that's 100 years old and have sung it a 1,000 times, and guess what? The 1,001 time we sing it, it's still new. Got it? Got the idea? Okay. So Paul uses this word kainos extensively, and, and two significant uses are in one verse that we've already read, 2 Corinthians 5, verse 17. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new cre creature or creation. He's a new creature. All things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. All things are become fresh. All things have become touched by the new mercies of God and of Christ for you. Isn't that a wonderful blessing that God has given? So then there's Revelation chapter 5, verse 9. When the song is sung because Jesus opens the seals of the scroll. And it says, and they sung a new song. Kainos, a new and a fresh song, saying, Thou art worthy to take the book and to open the seals thereof, for thou wast slain and has redeemed us to God by the blood out of every, tongue, uh, every kindred and tongue and people and nation. You see, it is a newness, it is a freshness that never goes stale. That, that, that's a great thing, and you don't even need uh, double locking, uh, you know, uh, uh, bags, you know to keep things fresh. This, this, this stays fresh on its own. If it comes from the Lord, it stays fresh. Amen? And if we are in Christ, we are to be staying fresh. New in all the things that we do for the Lord. Our lives and our songs should fit well into this category of new. Our lives in Christ should never become decayed in any way, shape, or form. Our songs unto the Lord should never grow old, no matter how many times we may sing them. And think how many other things are new to those who love and follow Jesus Christ. Think about the fact that Jesus himself said in John 13, verse 34, a new commandment I give unto you, that you love one another, as I have loved you, that you also love one another. I tell you, if that's a new commandment of the Lord, it's a, it's a commandment that we've heard for many, many years, even before, but because he says it and he says it's new, it'll always be new. It'll always be fresh. And the freshness of the way we apply that can only come from those who are new creatures in Christ. Whether you've been a believer for 45 years or 45 days. What else is new for us? How about the very fact that you, you yourselves as believers in Jesus Christ are called new lumps? Ever been called a lump before? No? Yes? One time, right here. 1 Corinthians 5, verses 7 and 8. You're a lump. Not a lump of coal. You're a lump. What kind of lump? Purge out, therefore, the old leaven. He's talking about unleavened bread. He says, purge out, therefore, the old leaven. Remember that leaven is a type of sin, a type of the old nature. 
He says, purge it out, cleanse it out, that you may be a new lump as you are unleavened, without the old, without the sin, without that which becomes decayed. For even Christ, our Passover, is sacrificed for us. And therefore, let us keep the feast, the feast of Passover and unleavened bread. Let us keep the feast, not with old leaven, neither with the leaven of malice and wickedness. Notice how Paul turns that aspect of leaven into that which we as old men do or old people do, you know, in the sense of old men of the flesh, malice and wickedness. He says, let, let us not keep, or let us keep the feast, not with old leaven, nor with the leaven uh, or malice and wi- uh, of malice and wickedness, but with the unleavened bread, notice, of sincerity and truth. Those things, by the way, never grow old, do they? Sincerity and truth never grow old. And then we come to grips with the very fact that we came to Christ by a new and living way. Not by the old way of trying to count out how many great things we've done as opposed to the bad things we've done. Way outweighing the good with the bad, right? A lot of people, even in the church, still think that. I mentioned that last week. A lot of people still think, you know, that their good will outweigh their bad and God will say, okay, well, the t- you know, the scales are tipped over this way. Okay, well, you can come in. No, no, no. There's not a good thing that we can ever do. In fact, the Bible is very clear. There is none good. There is none righteous. No, not one. Of us that were born in, in sin, there's only one that is righteous enough, and that's Jesus himself. Only one. So in Hebrews 10, verses 19 and 20, it says, Having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way. And you, if you look at the context of the whole book of Hebrews, and he's, he was talking about the sacrificial system and all, and, and saying, you know, not, not the, the, you know, the blood of bulls and goats could never cleanse us from sin. They were just types of Jesus Christ. They were just pointing to what Jesus Christ came to do once for all. Once for all. That's why it's so effective that when we become new creatures in Christ, we stay new. Now, our bodies may grow old, but we who are in the Spirit, in Christ, will never grow old again. It's by a new and living way, which he has consecrated for us through the veil, that is to say, his flesh. Why? Because his flesh was pure. His flesh was without sin. And then there is 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 13. Something that is new for us to remember, we have set before us in time. Peter says, nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for new heavens and a new earth. The Lord is going to give us a new heaven and a new earth, or new heavens, actually, and a new earth, wherein dwelleth righteousness. The old will pass away. In fact, if you read all of 2 Peter chapter 3, you realize the old earth and the old heavens, that's, that's all going to be destroyed. We have something new to look forward to. And it's all because of a new covenant that was made because of Jesus Christ. Hebrews 12, verse 24. And to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant. 
In the sense of mediating, he mediated every side of it. Jesus kept his side, keeps his side, and he keeps our side. Just as God kept both sides of the covenant with Abraham. A unilateral covenant. So to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, and to the blood of sprinkling that speaketh better things than that of Abel. So as I told you to keep your fingers in Ephesians and Colossians, when we go back to those verses given, uh, given concerning the old man, follow up on what Paul continued to say. You know, he said, put, put, off, put off the old man, but then he says in Ephesians 4, 23 and 24, he says, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that you put on the new man. So we come to Jesus Christ, we become new creatures in Christ. The old has passed away, behold, all things have become new. Therefore, put on the new man just like a garment. You take off the old stinky garment that, you know, you don't even want to put in the washer anymore because putting in the washer is not going to do any good. It'll just be stinkier the next time. And it's all ragged and torn up. And don't consider it like, you know, that pair of socks that got the hole in it, you know. They're my favorite socks. They're the most comfortable socks I got. Throw them away. Put it off. You got something new. Put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. Colossians 3, verse 10. You have put off the old man. And then he says in verse 10, and have put on the new man which is renewed in the knowledge after the image of him that created him. Notice both verses have that word renewed. Be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and you've put on the new man which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him. We are renewed because we are new in Christ. So be reminded then in the coming year, because is, this is all leading up to the coming year. So be reminded in the coming year and on a daily basis of all the new things that the Lord has done for you and has provided for you. Be reminded of these things. For every breath he's given you, for every opportunity that he gives you to love him and to serve him with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength, be reminded in this coming year for every provision for life that he's given to you, to your family, to your loved ones. And be reminded in the coming year for the voice that he's given you to express the new song in your heart. With that in mind, let's go back to Psalm 96 then. And look at verses 2 through 9. That's all we're going to look at today of this, of this psalm, but for a good reason. Because as we read verses 2 through 9, there are a number of things that this psalm not only encourages us to do, but actually commands us to do. By the way, the word hallelujah, which literally is praise ye the Lord, is a command, not a suggestion. So all who believe in Jesus Christ are commanded to praise him. 
When, we, when it says, sing ye unto the Lord, or sing unto the Lord a new song, that's not a suggestion, that's a command. All right, just, just letting you know. All right, so, sing unto the Lord. There's one thing to do. We already saw that also in verse 1. Sing unto the Lord, bless his name. So if you're marking down the things that we are supposed to do as believers in Jesus Christ, as believers in God and, and the Creator, uh, mark them down. Those are things we are to do in the coming year. As a matter of fact, we shouldn't even wait. We ought to do them now. We're only a day away anyway. Actually, hours. 14 hours away. Sing unto the Lord. Bless his name. I'm just helping you out here. Show forth his salvation from day to day. Declare his glory among the heathen or nations, his wonders among all people. For the Lord is great and greatly to be praised. He is to be feared above all gods, for all the gods of the nations are idols, but the Lord made the heavens. Honor and majesty are before him. Strength and beauty are in his sanctuary. Here we go again, verse 7. Give unto the Lord, O you kindreds of the people. Give unto the Lord glory and strength. Give unto the Lord the glory due to his name. Bring an offering and come into his courts. O worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. Fear before him. All the earth. That's a pretty extensive list of things that the Lord wants us to do every day of our lives. Not subdividing it into days and weeks and months and years. Every day. Just one day at a time. Do these things. Sing unto the Lord. Bless his name. So in this section of the psalm alone... We are exhorted to do a number of things in exalting and praising the one who gave us life and salvation through his son, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. We're to sing to him. We're to bless him. We're to show forth his salvation from day to day. We're to declare his glories and his wonders, his honor and his majesty, his strength and his beauty. But if we are exhorted to do anything in abundance, if we are exhorted to do anything in abundance, we are to give unto the Lord glory and worship and reverence and respect and awe. That's fear before him. We are to bring our offerings unto the Lord. You know what the offering is? The greatest offering you bring, what you brought today, you brought yourself. Scriptures tell us, the scriptures tell us, that we are living sacrifices unto God. And be thankful you're a living sacrifice. Give thanks to God for that. We're not offering dead sacrifices here. Paul said in Romans 12, We beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you offer yourselves a living sacrifice unto the Lord, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Living sacrifices. We're to offer our praise as a sacrifice from our lips unto God.
when you think about it, we don't really stop there, do we? In what we're to bring unto the Lord and do unto the Lord. Notice in Psalm 98 verses 1 through 4, just a couple of psalms over. Oh, sing unto the Lord a new song, for he has done marvelous things. Are you singing unto the Lord because of the great things that God has done for you and for your family? His right hand and his holy arm have gotten him the victory. You know the right hand and right arm and holy arm? That's Jesus who sits at the right hand of the Father who has gotten the victory. He, had got, he got the victory for us. He's our victor. He's our champion. Read 1 Corinthians chapter 15 today. Especially toward the end where it talks about him being our victory. Over sin and over death. The Lord has made known his salvation, his righteousness as he openly showed in the sight of the heathen. He has remembered his mercy and his truth toward the house of Israel. And by the way, you know what that is? That's the house of Israel. That's not the church. That's the house of Israel. To clarify. We're going to talk a little bit about that tonight. And all the ends of the earth have seen the salvation of our God. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord. Listen, listen to this. Are you making a joyful noise unto the Lord all the earth? Now that's, that's a command to all the earth. But how about us who are already believers? Are we making a joyful noise unto the Lord? Because of the great things that he's done? Make a joyful noise unto the Lord all the earth. Make a loud noise and, and rejoice and sing praise. I, I've been in some churches, man, and it's kind of like, is anybody here? Anybody here? Here, 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 here. And that's while the, that's while the music's going on. Where's the saints? Where are the voices of those who are thankful for what God has done? Are we praising from the very depths of our heart the God who created us and made us and gave us everything that we need for life and godliness through our Lord Jesus Christ? Ah, I'm making a joyful noise now, aren't I? Say, hey, calm down, pastor, calm down. Can't calm down. God's too good. Christ is so great. Power of the Spirit, man, it's working, it's moving. We ought to be thankful. Now, sometimes we interpret this joyful noise and loud noise as those that are in church that love Jesus with all their heart, they just can't sing a lick. And they're making a good noise unto the Lord. Guess what? You keep doing that. You get a gold star for doing that. Because you know what? What God hears, what he hears, it's your heart. It's your heart. Now, please don't tell me you're singing when you're doing this. I'm singing in my heart to the Lord. You got to open your mouth. You got to bring, bring forth the praises here. All right. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord. And rejoice, it says. Rejoice. Why? Because the joy of the Lord is our strength. In the midst of any trial or tribulation or trouble or tragedy. I mentioned last night that there was a time that somebody had 
lost a loved one and during the time of worship they were just pouring their hearts out to the Lord in worship crying I mean just it was painful in a sense it was a little painful to see but but it was a, just a, a heart that was just crying out to the Lord and I had the opportunity to ask them about it and they said oh listen how can I keep silent when God has done so much for me? Even in the midst of my loss, God is still God. And he's still worthy of my praise. Wow. How can we stay silent with such a good God who sustains us in our times of trial? In the midst of our pain. Psalm 13 verse 6 says, I will sing unto the Lord because he's dealt bountifully with me. There's not a person in this room that hasn't been dealt bountifully with by God. Sometimes we wish we were more bountiful. But when it comes to what God already knows about us, we're pretty bountiful as it is. <laughs> Aren't we? We live in a very blessed nation. God has blessed us as a people. In Psalm 40 verses 1 through 5. Consider this if you will. Consider this as what we cry out to God in a new song. I waited patiently for the Lord. And he inclined unto me and heard my cry. What does that say about the God that we love and serve? Is that when we cry out to him, he listens. He brought me up also out of a, a horrible pit, out of, out of the miry clay, and set my feet upon a rock, and established my goings. And he has put a new song in my mouth. This is one of those, this is one of those examples of how, how the new mercies of God are interjected into the new song that we have. He has put a new song in my mouth because of his new mercies. He has put a new song in my mouth, even praise unto our God. Many shall see it and fear and shall trust in the Lord. We start singing that new song. That new song becomes our testimony. To the world. If our song is silent. Will it go unnoticed? Blessed is the man. Blessed is that man. That maketh the Lord his trust. And respecteth not the proud. Nor such as turn aside to lies. Many O Lord my God. Are thy wonderful works which thou hast done. And, and thy thoughts which are to usward. They cannot be reckoned up in order unto thee. If I would declare and speak of them. They are more than can be numbered. Is this how we see the blessings of God. That we, we can't even number them. I, I, I suppose that that's the reason why we should go ahead and, 
Every time God blesses us, we should thank him right then and there. And remember what that is so that when we get into the midst of the congregation of the saints, we're able to thank him openly. And when people say, well, what are you thanking the Lord about? This is what God has done. And he's done it now. He's done it here. And I give him all the praise and all the glory and all the honor. Psalm 149, verse 1. Praise ye the Lord. Remember, that's alleluia. And it's a command, not a suggestion. Praise ye the Lord. Sing unto the Lord a new song. And, and please take note of this last phrase. And his praise in the congregation of saints. God wants us to praise the Lord together. Not to forsake the assembling of ourselves as is the manner of some. The manner of some is an interesting phrase to me because what it says is somebody's own idea of how things are supposed to be done rather than God's ideas. The Lord says, sing unto the Lord a new song and sing his praise. That's grammatically speaking. Sing his praise in the congregation of saints. Sing together as one voice with one heart in one accord unto the Lord. That's what we want to do this evening as we welcome in a new year. We're going to do that tonight here. But some of you may know this little word or phrase, old lang sign. Y'all see it? Tonight in many a home or hall where people have gathered to celebrate the arrival of a new year, a song is played at the stroke of midnight. It's called Old Lang Syne, which literally means times long past or days gone by or more idiomatically, long, long ago, days gone by a long time ago, Literally, it says, old long since, old long since. It was a Scots poem, not a Scottish poem, a Scots poem, written by Robert Burns in 1788. Scots being a Germanic language variety during, it was used, it came about during the, what's called the Middle English period, and is still of a, a dialect or language dialect because it sits somewhere between a language and a dialect but it's used still today in parts of Scotland. Traditionally the song bids farewell to the old year at the stroke of midnight. It begins with a rhetorical question. I know that most of us are familiar with at least the first phrase of the song should old acquaintance be forgot. But the, the rhetorical question in that statement is, should old times be forgotten? Should old times be forgotten? Should they never be brought to mind? Should they never be brought to mind? And the answer in a general sense, as Burns was 
writing out this very uh, much longer poem than we're ever used to reading. But the answer is interpreted as a call to remember long-standing friendships. Remember long-standing friendships. Now, let me just say that the Lord has given us the ability to remember things. The Lord has given us the ability to remember things, and in fact, he would have us remember all the wonderful things that he's done for us, and even the many people and events that he has allowed to shape our lives into what they've become for his glory, honor, and praise. That's why I mentioned to you at the onset of this study the, the importance of, of someone sharing the gospel with me. I remember that person. I don't remember his name, but I remember his face. I can still remember the place. I can still remember the time. I also remember the people that shared the gospel with me before that to prepare me for the receiving of Jesus Christ into my heart. I remember them. I remember their names. That was a long time ago. God has given us a wonderful ability to remember certain things. There are times when our own memories will plague us. Those are the things that we don't want to remember, or those are the things that we want to put aside, or those are the things that we want to put out with, to the Lord when we say, Lord, forgive us of our sins, and, and he casts them from the east to the west. But memory is a gift that God gives all of us when we use it for the right reason. So I want to ask the question, could there be things that would be better left behind? And I think that many of us would say yes. There are probably many things that we'd like to leave behind in the year 2017 and maybe year 2016 and 2015 still. Put them, put them as far away from us as possible. Consider these verses, if you will, as we look to a new year. Something that is new with a new perspective. The perspective that as believers in Jesus Christ, we can look at things that are new and fresh and will always stay new and fresh because God gives those things to us. But that begins with you becoming new and you becoming fresh if you don't know Jesus Christ today. The verses that I want to share with you as we come to a new year with new blessings along with new challenges are these, Isaiah chapter 43, verses 18 and 19, where God says to the prophet to say to the people, remember ye not the former things. Remember ye not the former things. Neither consider the things of old. Behold, I will do a new thing a fresh thing. Now it shall spring forth, shall you not know it? I will even make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. And of course, when we look at the ultimate fulfillment of that, we see it in the Lord Jesus Christ and his kingdom. But it's remembering not the former things, the things of old, the things connected to the old man, the things connected to the old life. Now, understand this. When we give our testimony, we have to share a little bit about the old. 
where we've been, what we've done. Not always, but I mean, not in greater detail than we, want, than we need to. But we need to share. This is where we've been. This is where we are today. And all of this was because of what Jesus Christ did. God will give us the right things to remember. But don't remember those things of old. As if to say, that's where I want to be. That's where I want to go back. Kind of like the children of Israel who came out of Egypt, and there they are in the wilderness eating manna, even though it was good for them. They kept, they kept saying, oh, if we could just go back to Egypt and have the onions and the leeks and, and all of the wonderful things that we used to grow over there, right? I don't know about you, but after a while, onions and leek breath, man, is really bad. The former things are behind. We can't go back. We only go forward. As a matter of fact, that's what Paul says in Philippians 3, verses 13 and 14. And I close with this. Brethren, Paul says, I cannot, I'm sorry, brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended. <clears throat> but this one thing I do. And I like that phrase. Paul uses it a few times. This one thing I do. Forgetting those things which are behind. And reaching forth unto those things which are before. I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Forgetting those things which are behind. Paul, even in Philippians 3, has given us somewhat of a testimony of himself. And the confidence that he had in the flesh by saying that he was... At one time, a Pharisee, he was a, a Hebrew of the Hebrews. The tribe of Benjamin. These are all prideful things that he was mentioning. Persecutor of the church. Righteous in and of himself. But he said, that's just confidence in the flesh. So now, I count them all as dung. I don't think we need a translation for dung. I count them all as dung that I may gain Christ. And be found in him. The new man. Forgetting what is behind. Forgetting those things which are behind. Reaching forth now. This is our life. We're entering into a new year. As we enter into a new year, we reach forth into those things which are before us. What, what is before us? I don't know. All I know is this, that I'm going to press Press, that word press is a strong word in the, in the Greek because it means to it literally agonize, move toward the things that God has placed before us, to agonize toward the mark, toward the target of the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Not the things of the world that are going to take us in one direction or another away from that one target, the mark, 
the bullseye of the prize of not just the calling of God, but the high calling of God. We have cheapened the calling of God in the church. But it's a high calling. And we need to press with all of our hearts toward that mark. And part of the mark we're going to talk about tonight. While we look for our redemption, which is drawing near. While we wait for the coming of the Lord Jesus, while we occupy until he comes, while we serve him with joy and with gladness in spite of the chaos and the consternation and the confusion of the world and where it is today, knowing that we're, it's not going to get any better, knowing that the church is not going to make the world better for Jesus to come, as some believe, no, we look to him to come and to be the victor. We're waiting for him. So until then, we press, we move, we serve, we love, we encourage, we care for, we feed. We tend to one another. We reach out with the gospel to those who are lost. We show them the love of Christ. We show them the light of Christ. We become the salt, the influence to the world that the world needs today. And just as we came one at a time, so many are still yet to come into the kingdom of God by your testimony, by mine. That's singing a new song unto the Lord as we enter into a new year. And I pray that God will use you, each and every one of you. If you love Jesus Christ with all your heart, be used of God today.